Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 258 on Tuesday, the 28th of May, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Richard. And, well, Rich, as you might have guessed, is standing in for Mr. Clues, who is, I don't know, sitting on a beach somewhere. That was the picture I got sent was of a beach. Oh, really? So that's what yeah. I've ruined, it for, I've ruined it for him by sending him a... a, a, a sending him a link to a Tesla autopilot video so uh, that he can sit and watch tonight whilst we're doing this. But anyway, on the show this week, we will be talking about the big Renault FCA merger of equals. Uh, We'll have a corner load of EV news and a pop-up list of the week. Uh, But first, of course, some follow-up and Rich, Carlos Golden. Yes, he's in the headlines again. He has a new title to his resume or his CV, which is that of Defendant. Yes. Um, And this Automotive News Europe story, uh, pre-trial hearings began last Thursday at the Tokyo District Court's 17th Criminal Court Division. Mm -hmm. Um, And this uh, is the latest development in a a saga, they say, that began in, in November. It's really starting to feel like a saga, and it's really starting to feel like it started long before November. But the reason this is important is because uh, Thursday was the start of this pre-trial hearing that they have in Japan. And the thing is that once they've started the pre-trial hearing, nobody can present any more evidence. So you've basically got to have gathered everything together Uh, and be ready to go. And sometimes the pre-trial hearings essentially turn into the trial. Um, So so the outcome of these, this will, sometime later, turn into the outcome of of the trial in the the Japanese uh, legal system. So that's why it's important. Um, The beginning, the, the final preparations for the trial are underway. By Japanese standards, that's actually relatively quick. It does feel like it's been going on longer than November. It really does. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you think so too. Yeah. Sometimes these can take on these can go on for years and years and years. These trials in Japan. So uh, not expecting quick re- resolution. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but yeah, it was just to let you all know that pre-trial hearings had started and what the relevance of that was. Yeah, it does say the trial will probably not get underway until 2020. Hmm. Um, so these will go on for a fair while, I guess. Oh, well, I've just noticed. The prosecutors have 120 Blu-ray discs of audio-visual testimony. Mm. Wow. I yeah. do like further up in the story how he's referred to as a Lacoste killer. Where? A cost killer? Yeah, Lacoste yeah. killer. Lacoste Le cost, Le cost killer. <laughs> That's like you can just imagine. Sorry, I've got this mental image of uh, of you know a guy in the big you know the Mac and the, the collar turned up and the fedora low. <laughs> I was heading a gitan standing outside the cafe going, "Yes, I am looking for Lucas Killer." Yeah, exactly. This, uh, yeah, yes, we shall see. Anyway, but there'll be more about Nissan and Renault uh, just shortly. Indeed. Straight after, well, not quite just shortly, not quite straight after the next story either. Uh, it's because I have a quick apology to make. I noticed that Mr. Clues managed to take the time to put this into the lineup uh, before he went away on holiday. Uh, in the Kona EV, in the Kona EV review uh, that was out a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't listened, then please do. Uh, 
I got the engine size wrong about a, about the smallest uh, petrol-powered one, uh, and I got hauled up for it. Actually, I got a finger pointed at me and, and told I got it wrong uh, at SMMT. Uh, the the uh, smallest normal petrol engine for a Kona is 1 litre, not 1.2, as I said. There you go. Great sins of our time, but I have now atoned for it. Phew. Excellent. Yes, it's a weight off my chest. <laughs> I, but new news, anyhow. New news. And the first story is um, came in very, actually, today. The Volkswagen mm. is going to reshuffle its $56 billion battery push because a deal with Samsung could be at risk. Um, that's 50 billion euros, by the way. Yeah. Um, Samsung initially agreed to deliver batteries for just over 20 gigawatt hours, which is enough to power 200,000 cars that have 100 kilowatt hour battery packs. Um, But there's been an impasse and the supplies are now pledged to possibly be less than five gigawatt hours, which is about a quarter of the initial contract as such. There was two things that struck me in this. Mm-hmm. The first was I love the way that, that that things are being negotiated in terms of gigawatt hours. So they're mm. not necessarily saying we want this many packs. It's like we want to buy this much worth of battery from you, as if you can just buy it in one great big chunk and then cut, carve off the slivers that you want. Yes, like like cheese or something. That was the first thing, and the second one was was I don't know that just that throttling of it from from te- uh, 20 gigawatt hours to to about 5 gigawatt hours as it's 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 rumored i think it shows that supplies are tight in the battery pack world at the minute i mean i know this was only samsung and and further down the story it goes on to say about uh, about the fact that of course volkswagen will take a multi supplier approach to it just like yes most other lithium ion battery mm-hmm. uh, users like uh apple um but yeah it was yeah because because i mean that's the big challenge with evs at the minute isn't it it's one of the big challenges as Mm. far as vehicles and supply concerned yes i mean it does the story does say that volkswagen um has stated that samsung continues to be its battery cell supplier for europe Mm -hmm. um so they are still the preferred yeah to apply in that territory anyway. But with the ID3 starting to come off the lines towards the end of the year, it's quite important. Yeah, it's it's you've got to get that initial well, I imagine that demand will be pretty high for the ID3. Yes, I've heard that they well, last count I think, or last count that I saw it was fifteen thousand pre orders, but it may well be more now. Yeah, I, um, I, I saw there was a story about the number of pre-orders last week, but I, I didn't really absorb it. To be and honest. I think there was even the danger of the UK supply being sold out. Yeah. yeah, Or, near, or near being sold out anyway, mm-hmm. um, which, which, as you said in last week's show, is similar to the um, Kona EV. Yeah. And also, I think, I'm not sure if it's now, but the e-Nero was sold out as well. Was it? Because it yeah. had got down to weeks weeks away but it may well now be 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 uh, af 
as they would say in the restaurant trade. Or so, certainly the in, initial allocation was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the challenge. That's and it's going to have a you know. I tend to feel that the demand is there for 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 modern EVs generally. Um, it's just getting hold of the ones that people want hold of. Yeah, I mean there there will be a a you know a period where there will be some catch up to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully they'll or people will get it under control well, soon. Or you know not soon, but now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in a in a you know good time frame, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope so because it really it really bugs me whenever you see that. Mm. Not whenever I see mm. it, anyway. But I guess any new technology, there will be a switchover period. So, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 great that there's it's great that there's finally the pool for it. To be honest, mm. anyway, shall we move on to the big story of the week? The big story. The alliance is about to get bigger, possibly. Well, yes, uh, but this started off uh, earlier in the weekend. Was it Saturday? Uh, or, or Friday so, or Saturday? Yeah. And it started off with like there's a rumor of. Uh, there's a rumor that uh, the the that Fiat and Renault might might merge, and it mm. came from uh, Nikkei. I think I saw it first. Uh, it was quite funny looking through as I went through sort sorting out the stories at lunchtime today. It was the it was it was the the history of the whole story mm. going through. Um, uh, history of the whole story going through from there's a rumor to here it is, to here's the press release from FCA saying, yeah, yeah, we really want to do this. Uh, and here's Renault saying, yeah, we quite fancy doing this too. And it was just like the whole story unfolding in headlines that I'd pinged to uh, pinged to the, the, the Trello list that we use for sorting out the, the, the show order. Yeah, there were a lot of links. <laughs> there were, and then all, well, yes, and then I got rid of a whole load of them. There were, there were about eight or ten links because I'd done it, Andrew'd done it, and because things don't sync instantly, you can't see if other people are ping uh, uh, are ping the same one in. So there are about ten links for this, but um, I don't know. Supposedly, this was rumored in March. Uh, I hadn't picked up. We hadn't picked up on those. No. Uh, so it, it came as quite a surprise. And the plan is that it's to be, uh, if it gets the go ahead, uh, a a merger of equals. So you know how uh, Renault owned more of Nissan than Nissan owns of Renault? Yes. Then it wouldn't be like that. It would be Renault and Fiat. Yes. As far as I understand. So it's it would go it would go Fiat and then Renault and then the Alliance partners. Okay. It's, yeah, it's it, how it seems to be. I mean, it's not very clear yet. No, it does say uh, one of the automotive no, news Europe stories does say if it went if it was approved by the Renault shareholders, um, as it is proposed currently by FCA, the new entity mm-hmm. uh, would continue to own forty three point three percent of Nissan shares, mm-hmm. voting rights, while Nissan's stake in the merged companies. Would be just seven point five percent. So yeah. So to me, I do wonder if there is a, a certain amount of two fingers, uh, because you know Renault. There have been rumours that Renault have been trying to do a, a proper merger with Nissan, as opposed to just the alliance. Um, and and of course, Nissan has been saying has been saying no. 
uh, and that may have precipitated the first story of this uh, in the show with 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 Carlos Ghosn. But then, but then I don't know if this is Renault turning around going, well, if you don't want us, uh, if you don't want us Nissan, then look, there are these wonderful Italians and Americans who really do. Mm. Uh, and for Renault's point of view, I guess it makes a lot of sense because it it gives them a finger into some of the U.S. truck market as well. Mm. Uh, because that's where FCA makes all its makes all its money. That and that and banking. <laughs> now, what I found was interesting over the weekend was that um, we had a walk yesterday with some friends, and uh, I guess two of them are quite car savvy. And one of them did say to me about this story, and uh, so the fact that it's made non-industry people uh, take notice, yes, I so- guess is is something. Yeah. Um... It also give Fiat a a toe dip into the EV tech as well. Well, that of course is what Fiat is really missing out of all of this is any kind of EV tech. Mm. Although um, I know that some people are at a Jeep Renegade facelift do uh, at the minute, and um, and they're showing off the the Renegade Hybrid. Okay, uh, plug it uh, Fev. But I don't uh, know if anybody's driving it. It looks like the same the same one uh, that was at Geneva is is sitting being displayed in a very similar manner. Okay, I mean, I did tell my friend yesterday that the uh, no, there's an electric five hundred, but it's not not over in Europe, obviously. So no, no, and they lose. They don't really want to sell them because they lose money on every single one. That was one of the things that Marshoni said was was that they lose they lose a load of money each one on each uh, on each one. Mm. <laughs> well, it's, in, it's an interesting story, and so we'll just have to see where it where it goes. Yeah, exactly. So I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to a couple of stories there. One of which um, is by Chris Bryant uh, asking if the mega merger is born of desperation. Uh, another one uh, talking about uh, from the point uh, talking about John Elkin, uh, the chairman of FCA. Uh, and saying how much that they'll get that that Renault and Nissan would gain uh, from from joining up with uh, with FCA, uh, and yeah, yeah, and another piece by Lucas Ferry uh, about uh, about Nissan being the big loser if there is an FCA and Renault Renault merger, but uh, lots and lots of stuff covering that right at the moment. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So the other thing was that there's lots of, uh, this week, lots and lots of EV news. There is, which I was quite surprised by when I was sending you a list of stories. Um, a lot of them were electric or hybrid related. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess coming from my corner of the internet, I guess that wasn't a total surprise. No, no, not, not, not really to me, to be honest, but, uh, but yeah, we, so we've put them together into a little EV corner. So yes, the old cosy and nestled together. <laughs> so are you sitting? Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. <laughs> On you go. Then tell us about Skoda. <laughs> oh, you've three of me now because that wasn't first in the list. Oh, wasn't it? Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> first one. <I've> <laughs> okay. Uh, last week, Skoda announced its um, electrified vehicle brand, which is uh, Skoda IV. I I read through some of the stuff that's that the the I stands for. It's wonderful marketing speak, isn't it? 
Yes. Yeah. I, in the name of the sub-brand, symbolizes several of the excellent characteristics that make all Skoda IV models stand out. Innovative, it... intelligent, whatever. And then V just stands for vehicle. <laughs> I like that. It reminds me of the time when, uh, I think it was Hyundai, wasn't it? Years ago, everything, well, I think when the iPhone came out, everything was I. Mm-hmm. I and I and I. Well, I guess they still are, but they it still is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're kind of used to it now. But I think back then it was uh, quite a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, their, their first their first vehicle, I think, is going to be based on the CityGo. Um, it's uh, obviously an electric CityGo, just like the Volkswagen Up is an electric Up. And... Um, I think it's probably I, I for fear of for, well no I, I don't think I'm doing them an injustice by saying so it's going to be a Skoda badged version of the of the E up it's going to be uh, I think it's the it's going to be called the City Go E if IV whatever you want to call it uh, in that particular in that way so yeah. yeah it looks like similar anyway and uh, I think the new superb that was announced last week or the refreshed superb has a plug-in hybrid option it it does is it included in this yes i think it is uh-huh. okay yeah well we'll see what happens when it comes to the uk uh but that would also include the oh the bright yellow very tall slightly odd looking concept that they showed it well yes. it was the vision it was the vision e wasn't it there we go yes that's right yes the concept that they showed at geneva uh, here we go the city go has a 36.8 kilowatt hour battery and does 265 kilometers in the wltp cycle 265 so that's going to be 120 100 and it's going to be about 150 ish mile isn't it it's really? about the same as the up i think yeah yeah which is pl- to be honest it's plenty for most of the time i think yes yeah yes <laughs> yes um Similarly, um, Vauxhall uh, took the covers off its first, well, in a photographic manner, covers off the, its first ever electric Corsa, the tail end of last week. It did. Um, and I'm guessing it shares the same, te- same tech as the Peugeot 208e. Um, and that has a 205-mile WLTP range. Which Vauxhall says is extendable by forty percent in eco mode. That's a big extension. It is, isn't it? Eco mode must really throttle you back. Yes. But two hundred and five miles on WLP. That should what should that really turn into? One hundred and seventy-five, so, hundred eighty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's uh, got uh, a, that's still again it's pretty good. Yeah, it's got a fifty kilowatt hour battery. Um, no prices have been released yet. They have there's there's stat in it. It has a 11 kilowatt onboard charger, and there's a stat which I quite like that says it does 0 to 31 miles per hour in 2.8 seconds. <laughs> no, no, come on, guys. I mean, a 0 to 50 kilometers. To be honest, it's actually a more relevant number than 0 to 60. In yes. all honesty, it is a more relevant number. Yes. But- you know, if you're skimming through that and you're not reading it properly, then it, it's a little bit, you know, misleading when people are expecting certain stats. 
Yes, yes. And it can also charge to 80% in 30 minutes at a rapid charge station, which is fairly powerful, of course, for most mm-hmm. modern EVs. Yeah, yeah. But that's it's going to be essentially the same underneath as the new 208, though, isn't it? Yes, yes. The, the electric version of that, which is a smart-looking wee car. Well, yes. I mean, we saw it at SMMT test day mm. last week. It did look cracking in that yellow paint. Yeah, well, I, I'd seen it before at Geneva, but the oh, of uh, course. but the the show stand was so busy, uh, and it was also a kind of dark pur- lit in a sort of gloomy purple color. I mean, the stand was that it was quite mm. difficult to get a feeling for what it actually looked like. But seeing it sitting amongst normal cars and with people wandering around and and uh, and stuff really put it into context. And it looked it looked cracking. I really liked it. Mm, mm. And to be honest, the, even the artist's impression of the of the new courses looks pretty good too. I imagine the proportions will be the same. Yeah, and it's interesting how they've well, as as lots of manufacturers do these days, announce the electric version first mm-hmm. before the standard version. Although I, I guess it wouldn't look too much different. No, no. Well, uh, yeah. <sighs> There has been some mutter about it's the usual death knell of any brand uh, is when people say, well, it's going to be electric only uh, or it's going to become an electric brand uh, about Opel and uh, and of course about Vauxhall at the same time. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know how how solid that is. I mean, it's not like poor smart. No, no. Um, so so yeah, let let let's see what happens there. But but yeah, I guess they're trying to make sure that there's interest in it because so they they get they get left quietly at the side, Vauxhall and Opel these days, and their biggest issues are their badges. I think there's not really much wrong with most of the cars. No, 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 not at all. Um, moving on, there uh, another EV which does look smart. That wasn't quite seamless, but you know that was that was pretty good. Though. Um, the Honda E or the eh. uh, <laughs> or the Urban EV made real. Yes, um, which does again. I've not seen it in the in the metal, so I don't know what it's like in real life. I have, but again, only on the show stand, which okay. is different from real life. It's closer, but it's different from real life. Okay. Again, it's cute. Yeah, it does look cute. But Honda has confirmed today that it will come with side cameras in place of wing mirrors Mm -hmm. when the deliveries start next year. And they are standard. Um, I think the standard is the big surprise there. Yes, 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 indeed. Because I know that on the Audi Audi e-tron, uh, they are a fairly chunky extra. Mm. They're, they're a good few hundred pounds uh, on it. And I noticed that one of the ones at, at the SMMT did, and there will, Andrew and I will record a special very soon uh, to update you. We just haven't had a chance since the day. Um, then the, one of them had the cameras, and it didn't look odd. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know what it was like inside, but from the outside, it didn't mm. look odd. I didn't get, we didn't get a chance to, to drive. We ran out of time, I'm afraid, folks. The only car I've driven with uh, cameras rather than mirrors was the XL1 um, mm-hmm. Volkswagen. And because that's so low anyway, I think they worked quite well. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were in the doors. 
Yeah, um, visibility not being a strong point from the XL one. No, but I think in the Honda they're on the edge of the dashboard screen. They are, yes. It's a far. Mm. It's more. Um, it's more. Screen it's, it's, it's it's basically where you would be looking anyway. Yes, you know it, it's it's not. It's like having very close wing mirrors, really. And I think if you're used to looking down the bonnet of the car, old style ones, then it's probably even, even, even more like that. Mm. They it claims that they will reduce drag by ninety percent mm-hmm. compared to normal mirrors, and also uh, there'll be two modes: a normal mode and a wide mode with an extended field of view. Do you think that'll turn on when you put it into reverse? It'll be like the little camera mirror uh, equivalent <laughs> of equivalent of you know when the mirrors go down for you. Quite possibly, although probably, that probably wouldn't help me. My spatial awareness has become shocking. It's old age, mate. Well, maybe that. And too many cameras and too many this. Too yeah. Many well, I, I'm far too lazy when it comes to using reversing cameras. I really am. Um. Uh, one to be almost almost done. Two more. One is the the first one that we'll just mention super quickly is that uh, Audi again are looking to do an. What are they going to deem the Q555 TFSI E Quattro, uh, which is going to be a plug-in hybrid version of the Q5. That's going to be very popular on company car lists. Yes. Yeah. Uh, electric range of a little over 26 miles. Uh, electric driving up to 84 miles an hour. Seems like an odd number, but I'm sure it makes sense. But no, 130 kilometers now. Um, opens for orders in June priced from about £55,000 on the road, but everybody will be looking at the benefit in kind and the monthly cost on that. 14.1 kilowatt hours of battery uh, under the floor there. So, so uh, yeah, that that's going to be, I think that that's going to be a big seller if you can get hold of them. Yes, yes. I was then thinking that it's their first plug-in hybrid, but of course it's not. Well, there's it the I, e-tron. The e I didn't realize that the A3 e-tron was a plug-in hybrid because I thought originally e-tron was an electric A3. And it was only recently that I I saw, uh, I think I heard it start up actually on the road. And I was like, hang on a minute. I thought you were electric. Uh Or had I, uh, maybe I'd just always been, maybe I'd just always been wrong. (laughs) Much as it pains me to admit it. (laughs) I think I must always have been wrong. Um, but no, I thought there was already an all-electric version of the A3. No, no. No. Oh, well. Last story, though. Oh, yeah. Last story is um, the first 350-kilowatt charging station uh, is set to be uh, is set to open in Maidstone in Kent, uh, and it's being run by Ionity as well, which is uh, Volkswagen-backed. Yes, and Ford-backed, I think, as well. Is it? I think I read. I, can't remember. I think it's only them that gets that's mentioned. Yes, yeah, backed by car makers, including Ford and Volkswagen. Ah, yes. Thank you very much. Um, so 150 kilowatt hour is... Well, 350 kilowatt hour is 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 super quick, uh, and the first vehicle to take full advantage of that should be the, the Porsche Taycan. The e-tron charges 150 kilowatt uh according to this autocar story the jaguar i-pace is quite high as well isn't it yes. is it 75 or is it 
higher than that. It's a hundred, something like that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. No, no, I can I. So uh, soon, soon there'll be locations at Milton Keynes and Gretna, um, but that should be good because that again something that I've been warbling on about lately is the fact that these bigger battery packs are great. You get fantastic range, but it does take so much longer to charge. Mm, mm. Um, if you're out and about as opposed to somewhere where you can plug it in and leave it overnight, like your own driveway. So um, let's see how that goes. I mean, Maidstone's a weird place to open your first one. I suppose, well, but... it doesn't say where it is. I'm guessing it's Maidstone Services. The picture looks like Maidstone Services because I know that there's um, SO at Maidstone Services. Okay, which is on the M20. Yes. Um, and that, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? If it's a motorway services, it's quite nice to see one that doesn't belong to, you know. You know who? Yeah. Those ones. <laughs> yes, the company of which we will not speak its name. No, and I don't mean Tesla, by the way, for once. I don't mean <laughs> Tesla. One last story before the uh, before Guilt Minute. <laughs> um, speaking of electrified vehicles, tomorrow... Um, Ferrari is due to unveil a new hybrid supercar, which is well, nobody really knows. That's no, thing. no. There's lots of waffle in this autocar story, but there's nothing that really tells it. It's all rumours. So some people are saying it'll be a V6. Some are saying three point nine liter V8. It's going to bear a bit of a resemblance to last year's SP38 concept, which was like a four eight eight GTB. There's lots of mutterings. Nobody's really sure. No. So at some point during the day, because tomorrow will be when most of you listen to this or get this, um, at some point during the day on the Wednesday the 29th, then Ferrari will unveil something. There you go. All we do know is that it will be the first new Ferrari since the F8 Chupito, um that was when, when was that? unveiled at Geneva. Oh come on, is, that's that's only since which, March. Which was the come on guys. <laughs> which was the company's final turbocharged V eight supercar, and it will be the the new one will be the first of five Ferraris, five due this year, and one of fifteen planned before twenty twenty two. That's a lot of Ferraris. That is a lot of Ferrari. Including an wow. SUV. How on earth will the YouTubers keep up? I don't know. How will they manage that? Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, the first new one unveiled since March. Wow, we've read all the way to May without a new Ferrari. How could... I know. Um, yes. Well, let's see what it is. It'll be a, a little bit of of, uh, of a surprise to all of us. Yes. Hopefully yes. not to Ferrari. <laughs> let's hope not. No. Anyway, that's Guilt Minute. Uh, point in the show where I remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. If it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button to join our growing band of patrons. Uh, if you're already a patron, then thank you so very, very much. We we really do appreciate it. Uh, we understand, of course, that not everyone has the ability to support us in this way, so if you can't, then please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then, of course, you're wonderful. But how's about accosting a friend, a relative, someone on the street, who you think would enjoy this, and telling them all about us? 
if as well, of course, for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show, how's about doing so for free? Making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you may might miss out on the next new show. That really was a minute tonight. Well done, Al. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I know. That's pretty unusual. Normally I get distracted halfway through or something. Because your esteemed colleague's not here. You see. Well, that's it, you see. Nobody's pulling funny faces on the screen. Nobody's pouring themselves another drink in the middle of it. It's a luxury. <laughs> Try and do this more often. I shouldn't say that because I have to edit this afterwards. And that's when Andrew does that. And he's way better at it than I am. So, uh, so bumps, clicks and everything else, folks. Yeah, that's because it's me doing the editing and not Andrew. Sorry. Anyway, after Guilt Minute, uh, there was a there was an EPRI at the weekend, uh, of course, and it was Berlin at Tempelhof Airport. See, I remembered it this week. Uh, and it was won by Lucas Degrassi uh, on his second race win of the season. Uh, he was... He's the, he's only the second person out of ooh, ten races now, is it? Um, uh, to to have actually won two races. Jean Eric Verne has won the other. Uh, he didn't start on pole. Jean Eric Verne did. Uh, no, he didn't. Pardon me. Sebastian Buemi did. Read the flipping story, Alan. Uh, Sebastian Buemi did, uh, and he was a whole one point eight seconds behind him. Uh, but that also put him on the podium for the first time this season. So uh, third was Jean-Eric Verne, second was Sebastian Buemi, and first was Lucas Degrassi. So DS Tuchita, Nissan E-Dabs, then Audi Sport, Ab, Schaeffler Sport. Audi Sport, Ab, Schaeffler, Formula E team, to give them their full name. <laughs> That's <sighs> a mouthful. It is. Well, they have to have their team name on the official FIA results here. Their team name is in much smaller print than anyone else's, so that it fits onto one line. Ah, I see. Sad, huh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, suppose it was a great. I confess, I haven't seen the race, uh, so I'm not going to go into this in much detail uh, at all. Uh, so because I simply, simply didn't see it. I was, I was out doing things and mm. not necessarily car things as well, which is unusual for me uh, at the weekend. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Everyone said it was a particularly good race. Um, I still think it's a Templehof is really cool. Uh, you know, former uh, formerly very important airport for for for, for Berlin being in the the Allied sector uh, right throughout the, the Cold War and a fantastic uh, historic monument. But it's not as cool as Alexanderplatz and the oh. center of the city. The year they did it, Alexanderplatz. It was it was as cool as the Paris race because you've got the wonderful TV tower, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. the really all the 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 uh, the architecture, the very brutalist architecture around that that part of Berlin, it was just fantastic. Yeah, I I did think that actually when I heard last week's show and you were saying about it, I thought you know having been and stood underneath the TV tower, I bet it wasn't you know I bet it's more iconic, for want of a better word, to see them whizzing around mm. under that and you know and and again on public roads rather than the, the rather than than you know the runways and, and taxiways mm. uh, as well. It's always a bit cooler. But hey, it's still a pretty good location. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Dead police that it happens. Uh, and then Sunday was the Monaco Grand Prix, which I didn't see either. Not me neither. Nope. 
No, well, we don't cover Formula One on here anyway, so it's no. that so that solves the problem for us. And is it rally next week? It's Portugal, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I meant to drop that in. Well done. You can tell the person who actually listens to the show more often than I do. <laughs> uh, I believe it is Portugal next week for the WRC. So uh, yes. So yeah, keep an ear out for that. Finally, at long last, it isn't both sports each week. Because that happened for a long time. It was always Formula E and the WRC were the same weeks. Uh, okay. And one of the reasons originally we started covering WRC and Formula E was because they um, they, they alternated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was why they made quite a good combo to start with. Okay. There you go. little secret there. Yeah. Rich, you came up with a list of the week. I did. Um, this is an, an autocar slideshow. But on my, on my Mac, it works. And on mine, it's working fine as well. So okay. I, I think the, the problem is probably the person who's not here. <laughs> um, and it's the greatest cars ever made with pop-up headlights, um, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah. Uh, because who doesn't like pop-up headlights? Definitely not me. It's just one of my one of my aims car-wise. I've, I've ticked quite a few of them. I've got two left, I okay. feel, that I should tick. Three, maybe. Pop-up headlights. Yeah. Alfa Romeo. Yeah. In fact, before we clicked clicked on the recording, we were discussing the, when I almost bought one. And um, a V8. Ah. Those are the three that I feel I'm, I'm, I'm missing. But no, this is a cracking list. There's stuff that you'd expect on there, like Ferrari Daytona, uh, uh, Lancia Stratos, Kuntak, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. And stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect or, or remember. Well, Oldsmobile Tornado, Aston Martin Bulldog. Panthasolo. Um, yes, Opal GT, which actually I'd forgotten about when I was writing the 914 book. It was um, the headlights on the Opal GT. I think they swivel upwards from underneath. They're not mm-hmm. just up and down. actually swivel out. Yeah, it's a weird setup like that. Mm. And the 914 is 50 this year, isn't it? It is, yes. There's a big Buckland bash at, uh, I think, in the middle of July. Is that Maybe I saw someone talking about that earlier on. That's what that's what struck me about that. Ah, yes, it is. Um, but I like, and the 924 is in here as well, and the X19. And the, and the Vector W8, and, and just loads of stuff. TR7. Um, yeah, uh, a BMW 850, or 8 Series. Yes. With its fantastically slim projector headlamps. It looks and, so cool. And the Honda Prelude, yeah. which I had forgotten about. Uh, I often forget about stuff like the Honda Prelude. Oh, look. Oh, wait a minute. The Aston Martin Bulldog as well, which doesn't so much have pop-up headlamps as pop-down bodywork. Yes. And five headlamps. <laughs> I can remember driving a Volvo 480 ES. It was uh-huh. a mates at work, and I was going to the bank years and years ago, this is, to get some money out. And uh, I, had, I took his car, I can't remember why. And uh, I think I ended up bashing it slightly in the front because I couldn't see where the front was, unless you pop the headlights up. I, I just always, I just, I still think they look cool. But in the Volvo Museum, they, it sits on what was described to me as the plinth of shame. Okay. Um, of the Dutch-built <laughs> Volvos, basically. Anything that, that 
anything that had essentially been a daff ended up on the plinth of shame. And um, yeah, it was on there. And I also remember the autocar long te- long termer on which just about everything seemed to break. Okay, that's a bit harsh on the plinth of shame. That that's how it was described to me. That's not the official name of it. It was not titled Plinth of Shame. But yeah, that the four forty, the three forty, mm, uh, mm. anything that essentially was a rebadged DAF. Yeah, or, or the um, the Ned car ones as well. So the 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 V forties that were Mitsubishi Charismas and stuff. Yes, yes, everything that wasn't a real Volvo. Oh, the Saab Sonnet. I'd forgotten about that one as well. Oh, everybody. I always forget that the Saab Sonnet exists. Mm. There's lots of cool stuff in there. There is. And we've, we've is. only and we've only mentioned about half of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. to do with Dittomas or Pantera has to be cool because it's such a great name. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so... Oh, there was one other story that you pinged up, which I, I didn't really have a place for it, but I thought it was really, really cool. Mm. Um, in this case, it's it's John Redfern for, for Motoring Research, but there's, there's quite a few others out there. And, of course, it was the uh, Concorso d'Eleganza um, at the weekend in uh, Villa d'Este uh, in Italy, in case you didn't recognize the attempted accent. Uh, and BMW have recreated a Bertoni concept from a 1970 called the Garmisch. And it's really amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of three-box saloon-type coupe rather than a rakish, you know, low-slung coupe. It's very much a touring coupe. Yeah, yeah. but it's very cool, though. And I, I was fascinated by the fact that it was recreated by literally a handful of photographs is all they had. There was only five or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which um, is, yeah. And it was designed by Gandini, who obviously did the, the Mura and the Stratos. And, um, yeah. Anything that wasn't Giugiaro was Gandini as far as that. Oh, somebody will pop in and say, what about Michelotti? But, yeah, anything of that era that was sort of really quite rakish and awesome uh was was either gandini or jujaro mm. it's cool though because it it, it it looks it looks i think perhaps obviously like a bmw but it's also it also doesn't look like a bmw if that makes sense yeah i mean there's no double headlamps at the front there's yeah but and there think, is a hofmeister kink and stuff sorry yeah and i think it could teach the uh current grill a thing or two yeah, I mean this it's it's two big hexagons mm. which are pretty strident there but you know it's not an X7. No, in exactly that. Exactly that. Yes. They're big, they're bold, but it's not garish. No. No. And the interior actually seeing that 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 interior picture that mm. looks that looks almost as modern retro as the Honda Honda E's does. Yeah, it does. I mean if 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 that was a black, so there's three dials behind this this kind of four spoke steering wheel, and if that was just a black panel and then it illuminated like that, you wouldn't be surprised. No, no, but the whole shape of it, the curved edges and the the vertical, so it's got a a, a, 
I don't know what a, a stereo in it. But to give you an idea, oh, it's, yeah. it's the 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 sort of vertical center console is about as wide as if you took a normal single din cast area, turned it on its side, and added a centimeter each side. Mm. That's mm. about how thick it is. It's this slim pillar that comes up and then round like a number seven. Um, it's it's really cool. The detailing's beautiful. Mm. Just mm. the detail and the thought that's obviously gone into it. And and John refers to refers to it in here, but I didn't really notice. But the the paintwork is what BMW calls metallic champagne, mm-hmm. um, and it is a color which which I'm certainly seeing a lot more on cars of today. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you have something that's a sort of, it's definitely not beige, but it's very similar to beige in certain forms now, then, yeah, it's it's there and you, you see it. And it's it's a sort of pink. It's almost rose gold. Do you know what? I was trying not to say that, but that's exactly <laughs> it. No, that's exactly what I've just gone through my head. My mind is it's rose gold because I was worried that that would sound a bit bling, but it's more yeah, it's like a non-bling rose gold. How pathetic does that sound? <laughs> but you know, it's not it's not like a shiny gloss wrap or anything. It it's just it's just nice, and it is the color of champagne. It's mm. decent champagne anyway. I don't I don't think I mean it's dated in nineteen seventy, but I don't I don't think it looks well. I mean obviously it's not fifty years old, but I don't think it looks the design looks fifty years old. No, no, I don't think so um, either. And some nice. of the bits could even be as new as you know, I was going to say nineteen seventies, but that 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 does make it almost fifty years old. Oh, that's so depressing. Um, <laughs> but it's stuff like the uh, the back window uh, doesn't mm. have slats, but it's it's got this kind of cool elongated hexagonal mesh and stuff. It's it's so cool. Go some uh, link through to this motoring research story. That there's actually loads of stories on this. The mm. motoring research one's nicely illustrated and easy to read um, <clears throat> of that. And and just have a look at the pictures and just just to, just admire it. I've mm. just noticed that the, the inside of the – so whilst the outside of the grill is chrome, the inside seems to be plated mm. a different colour. Yes, almost. It looks almost gold. Well, almost that rose, that gold colour. Mm. Uh, it, it might just be the lighting, but it, it looks fantastic. Absolutely mm. stunning. Well done, BMW. Yes, that's very nice. Very nice. Really, really cool. Uh, now, you found the next story, but I think it's fully worthy of inclusion because we've we've both been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written by a friend of the show, Alex Goy. It is. Um, by the way, this this one over the over his uh, tasting of rich energy drink. By the way, which I strongly if. Have a look, read through this by all means. Read the read the rich energy taste test as well. It's brilliant. I have touched a can of rich energy as a result because he had one along recently. Uh, and this is the sorry, this is yeah, sorry, long, I've lunchtime read. It's the long read of the week, um, and it's all about caffeine and machine, the car culture. Oh, I'm not sure what it's. It's certainly not a pub. Destination, I yes, guess. but destination sounds really pretentious, isn't it? <laughs> That's not what it's not what I mean it to be, but it's uh, no. it's no, I know you don't know. It's just outside Ettington, um, a few miles from Junction 13 off the M40, 
Um, and we've both been there on the Great Escapes um, road trip day, which and Alex was there too, wasn't he? He was there. He happened to be there enough. as well. Yeah, he he was he was doing other stuff. Um, yeah, but it's all about how how the owner or one of the owners, Phil McGovern, set it up and the story behind it and. Mm-hmm. It's it's all the history behind all these the pictures you keep seeing and people like me going, look at this, isn't it wonderful? It's just all so well integrated. The the branding, um, the venue, and it's it's all geared towards well people like us and people like the listeners, you know, yeah. car car heads basically. And, and don't be ashamed to go along during the week as well, by the way, because even during the week it's much much quieter. The weekends gets a bit can get a bit mobbed. Mm. Um, but during the week, there's you bear in mind that it is just down the road from from Jaguar and just down the road from Aston Martin. Uh, what's what's more shocking, I think I found when I when I was reading the story is the fact that mm. that you forget that it became mobbed through basically just social media. There was no promotion really as such. It was word of mouth mm-hmm. and people sharing stuff on social media and saying how good it was. Yeah. Which is it what is. you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I put a link in on the Trello boards to a video um, on YouTube, um, which is by Premio, I think, which which is a five-minute video, again, with Phil talking about how it started and some oh, cool. them building it and his, his 964 um, mm-hmm. that I saw a couple of months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd missed. I'd missed you. Dadded that. That looks really good. I'll have a look at that. And that's quite good. Mm-hmm. I know it's I'll, just the background behind it and how it all started. And I'll stick that in the show notes as well. Then brilliant. Cool. 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 Fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, well worth your time. Uh, one last story before you go. Uh, the if I find the right tab. Um. Yes, the very last available Chevrolet, Corvette, and Camaro in Europe um, will be available for sale. I've lost it now. Via Ian Allen Motors of Virginia Water after August the 31st, 2019. It's not going to be possible to register anymore uh, as they won't meet the uh, Euro, uh, the EU emission rules. I think, a Euro, I think it's Euro 6D by that point. Mm. Um yeah, so if you want old school muscle cars, get in quick. Wow, and those the the LT1 engine they've made over a hundred million. I didn't realize that. Yeah, hundred million. Wow. Mm-hmm. The LT and the LS. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's. I mean, that's. Uh, goodness knows. I mean, I mean, I think half of them have been have been swapped into other vehicles that didn't have them originally. If you if you look at YouTube. Yes, uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, do Mazda MX-5 in with the LS swap. Ah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's them at the end of their, their availability in Europe. If you've got a Camaro, it's from about $39,995. Um, and a Corvette uh, is about £67,000 if you want that. So, yep. Cool. Get in there with those. Be quick. Uh, remember, everyone's saying the next generation of Corvette is probably going to become mid-engined, which is brave. Yes. 
I, I think I think that if I if I were doing if I ruled the world, mm-hmm. uh, and if I were doing that, I would offer a mid engine and a front engine because I think moving to mid engines is a little bit scary for many Corvette customers. Yeah, like moving to the right. metric system. Mm. <laughs> Most people can't see the look on your face, which is like, yes, Alan. I think, it's, I think it's more if you ruled the world. Well, yes, I, I definitely rule the world. Although you can't be much worse than most other people at the moment. So, uh... um, I, I like to believe I would be at, at least vaguely benevolent. Anyway, <laughs> I can almost string a word. A string a word. Uh, uh, no, no, I can't string any words here. <laughs> I've just failed miserably, despite my best attempt. Uh, I was going to say most of those can't either. But no. yeah, anyway, <laughs> beautifully, beautifully proven as to why I shouldn't. One of the yeah. many reasons. Uh, yeah, just before we round up, uh, quick parish note. Um, I don't believe there's any special coming out on Friday, uh, given the given that Andrew's on his holidays. Uh, uh, but this weekend coming up is Coventry Motor Fest in Coventry uh, on both Saturday and Sunday, of course, free to attend. Uh, I may well jog along on Sunday. We'll see see how it's going and see how I feel. Um, where there should be not one hundred Citroens, as I put in here by no. accident, a thousand <laughs> Citroens. Indeed, uh, going round the ring road. Yeah, on on the Sunday. Mm, that's very. That is very much on the Sunday, uh, but of course the festival will be open Saturday and Sunday. If it's a lovely sunny day. Um, it's a fantastic outing. In fact, even if it's mm. not a great day, it's still a really good outing. Uh, lots to see, lots to wander around um, and do. And, you know, if if it's a good one because you can go along and, and say, well, you can do some shopping because it's lots of shops and, uh, and leave people who want to do shopping uh, to go do shopping. And you can go gawp at some cars for a little while uh, doing runs on the, the ring road. Uh, seen here, all sorts of things, a full bore in tunnels and things. Uh, previously, there's been drifting. There's been all sorts of bits and pieces going on around the place. Uh, do search for Coventry Motorfest and uh, and you'll find out more. And also, go if you do go, I mean, the year I went, we went to the the Coventry Transport Museum, which I've never been to. Mm. Amazing, oh, it's an amazing place. And free. And free, yeah. So even if it's not a great day, go. I mean, the, there's land speed record cars. There's all sorts of Jaguar concepts. There's all the whole history from from the first Rover bicycles right the way through. I just, it's a great place to go visit. I've been around a couple mm. of times now. Mm. Um, it was good. Model cars, the lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's it. Rich, what's the best way to get in touch with you outside of of, I don't know, listening to the show? Um, I'm on Twitter at richgoodingcom. You're rating for all sorts of places at the minute, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a few bits and pieces here and there, so that's good. Keeping busy, which is what matters. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the time, don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, when Andrew will be back, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, don't forget about our patron and the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Uh, the best way to get in touch with Andrew is to search with Cracked Windscreen on Twitter. Best way 
to get in touch with me uh, is Twitter again, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Richard Gooding. And safe motoring.